I learned is typical narcissist behavior. They know how to lure you. You know, we call it courtship in a normal relationship. You know, they mm. bring you flowers. They say nice things. You get to like them. But with narcissists, it's very. Welcome back to Wellness All Seasons with Mina podcast. I'm your host, Mina Kandar. We are here today with an amazing guest, Dana Des, and uh, she is older. And the best thing is let her present herself because it's better to let her tell you who uh, she is. Welcome to Wellness All Seasons. And um, thank you, you Mina. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I am happy to be here. I am an author. Um, my first book, Gasping for Air, The Stranglehold of Narcissistic Abuse, it's a tongue twister, um, that was just released last year. Um, it covers a 25-year relationship, my former marriage, um, in which I experienced multiple abuses um, at the hands of my husband. And what I really want to get across to women is a few things is, you know, abusive relationships are really difficult to manage because you have so much happening and you're trying to work through daily life. You're, you're going to work, you're raising children, you're managing your house, you're paying bills, you're doing life. But on top of it, you're dealing with the the stress and you know the anxiety and and you know of, of this life at home that's tumultuous and and you never know what's going to happen you know there was physical threat there were sexual issues there were you know he demeaned and insulted me at, at every possible turn but by the end of that 25 years i actually became very sick i had lost so much weight i was down to 93 pounds, um, skeletal, you could see through to my bones. I, I was Huge. down to nothing. Yeah. And I couldn't breathe. Um, I, I had about two dozen symptoms. My, my extremities, my hands and my arms were going completely numb, just completely lifeless. I was having trouble with my eyes, with my eyesight, um, my heart. I was having irregular heart beating, digestive issues, muscular issues. I mean, you name it. And doctors couldn't put it together. It finally, after a year of seeing specialists, it was Mayo Clinic here in the US that had determined that I had so much cortisol, which is a stress hormone. Mm. It was running through my body for so long because I had been living in fight or flight mode for so long that it had actually made me autoimmune and it gave me a lung disease that the doctor says is like having fibromyalgia mm -hmm. and a pulmonary, a lung disorder all at the same time, which is why I was having all these seemingly unrelated symptoms. Um, but that's when I finally decided, you know, when my doctor said, your body is shutting down, you're nothing. I mean, my heart rate was so low. I was becoming very weak and nauseous all the time, very feverish. I had to wear a backpack oxygen um, unit with a mask over my face just to breathe and get through the day. And this was all on the brink of COVID as well. So, mm. you know, I worried about getting COVID because the doctor said, now that you're autoimmune, a common cold can kill you. So now with COVID, <laughs> you know, you it's have that crazy. extra measure. So it was a scary time for me. I, I knew that I was enduring, you know, a, a lot of things that nobody should in that relationship, in that marriage, but I stayed because I thought I was doing the right thing to keep the family together for our son. Um, but I'm realizing now that all that was not worth my life and my health and my well-being yeah. mentally, physically. Um, so that's when I decided to get out. And so that's, you know, that's mainly what I want to share with people, but I also want people to know there's a happy ending and that, you know, it was amazing to me that after the divorce, and even though there were a couple incidents of domestic violence 
after the divorce um, because he, of course, wanted to punish me for 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 leaving him. Um, I'm here three months, three. It's been three years and four months. And I, I'm well, I've gained weight back. I don't have symptoms. I don't even know the last time I needed my oxygen machine. Um, and, and I'm well, I, I feel like my body, I mean, I'll never, it, it's irreversible what I have, but I am certainly healed from not having that negativity and that toxicity in my life. Yeah. So, uh, there are two things I would like you to talk about because it's, um, it's interesting to understand Yes. when you have been in the relationship, you have been uh, in a situation you could not judge that it was narcissistic behavior. You have been there, you loved your yeah. husband, you have your kid. And for you, it was uh, like normal. So what is the one thing that pushed you um, or helped you understand that it's not normal, it's um, a narcissistic behavior and you have to get out of this marriage? Well, I think, you know, unfortunately, I was abused as a child. My stepfather physically and verbally abused me and my mother turned her head and let it happen um, because she hadn't wanted to have me to begin with. So I think that coming from that kind of a childhood made me more tolerant of the abuse in my marriage because I mean, I'll be honest with you, the set that I remember meeting my ex-husband for the very first time, the second he walked in my life, I, it felt wrong. He reminded me so much of my abusive stepfather that I thought, oh no, I don't want any part of this man. But at the same time, I was so desperate for the love and affection that I hadn't gotten in my childhood and I had just come out of that home. I was very young. I was only 19 years old. Yeah, you are and I innocent. had just, right. I had just left my childhood home. So, you know, because I thought I need to get out of there. They didn't want me there anyway. So I was going to go in the world and nobody was ever going to mistreat me again. But this man, and and this is what I'm, I, I learned is typical narcissist behavior. They know how to lure you. You know, we call it courtship in a normal relationship. You know, they mm. bring you flowers. They say nice things. You get to like them. But with narcissists, it's very intentional and it's done in a manipulative way. Mm. So even though we did not have a good first meeting, the introduction, I didn't like him. He didn't seem to like me very much either. But then after that, he returned and express some interest in me. And honestly, I did I I still wanted no part of him. Everything in me said this is wrong. I don't want any part of this man, but I was so desperate for anything, any little crumb of affection. So, so for I, you for you it was the solution to be somewhere with someone because you can't uh, you couldn't stay home so for you it was the solution to be with him right and and the other part of me i think because i had tolerated so much i had no choice as a child you can't just up and walk out of the home so i had learned to manage it and to manage myself in that situation that i thought maybe Maybe it was me. Maybe I was mis you know, misunderstanding him. Maybe I was judging him prematurely. I thought I don't have to marry him. I'm just going, you know, we'll we'll have dinner or whatever we're gonna do. But it was it it didn't go well. <laughs> it didn't go well. So I knew right away that it was wrong. And you know, that's what I tell people now when people say, what are the red flags? What are the signs? Mm -hmm. A red you... flag to me would be different for you. So I just tell people, yeah. listen to your gut. If something exactly. is telling you to stay away, just, just listen to that. So how many years did you spend with him? 25. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. We were married 20 of those years. We, we were together five years before we got married. 
five years. Yes. Five years before we got married and then 20 years married. And, the, and until enough was enough for you. Well, when I got sick, that was the deal breaker. And it makes yeah. me sad to look back because even as I was writing my book about my experiences, you know, I don't want to give away too much of what's in the book, but you know, yeah. when he, when uh, he swung, a, we, when he swung a crowbar at my head, trying to kill me, that should have been a big sign to walk away. When he course. shot a gun outside my bedroom window, I, you know, that's a, you know, there were so many things that happened. He had even told our neighbors that he was planning to kill me yet. There I still was, I was still there. So it makes me sad to think that I didn't have enough respect or love for myself to get out of there that I stayed. It was, but it was when I became sick and they said, there's no pill for this. There's no surgery, whatever is going on in your life that is causing you so much mental trauma that it's now manifesting physically. It has to change. You have to stop it. And I knew what it was. It was my husband. And so that was my deal breaker. Yeah. That was what finally did it. So how uh, were you? Uh, how was your experience when you decided to stop and to get out of it? How was it with him? Uh, did he accept uh, easily? Oh goodness, or... no. <laughs> No, narcissists, they don't want to start over with somebody else. That's too much work. They want to try to hold on to you. He could sense that I was different because I was afraid. I mean, we have to understand, I was in a very extreme situation. I would hope that most people are not married to somebody that wants to kill them. But in that situation, I was honestly scared for him to know that I even spoke to an attorney for, about a divorce because I was afraid of what he might do to me, you know, as a punishment. So I kept things very secret. Um, I kept it all to myself. But unfortunately, it was only a week or two after I talked to the attorney that we went into the shelter in place. We were quarantined for COVID. So I was stuck in the house with him. <laughs> and the courts were closed. I couldn't file for divorce. I stayed away from him. I moved to our basement. He lived in the upstairs of our house and our son lived in the middle on the main floor. And it was a very strange situation, but there was clearly a division. He knew it was coming. And once the quarantine was lifted and we were all able to go back to work and what have you, um, I had come home from work one day and he was gone. He and his things were gone. And I was relieved. Um, most people would cry if they came home and found their spouse had left them. For but you, it was I thought this was, I was, I was so relieved because it was one less thing I had to worry about was getting him out of the house. But again, this is a narcissist. Narcissists can't they don't take accountability for their actions. It's always somebody else's fault. So what did he do? The reason that he moved out was because he then went and told his family, our friends, everybody, our people at our son's school, oh, well, she's she was abusing me. She was harassing me, so I had to leave her. And I thought, no, it's the other way around, but you know what, he was out. So I thought, you know what? If people are going to believe something that's not true, I can't control that. I had to worry about myself and my son and our safety and our well-being. And I couldn't worry about what the rest of the world thought. People exactly. that knew us would, you know, and knew really what was happening would stand by us. And if they didn't, it was of no concern to me. And uh, what is interesting to to think about is that uh, unfortunately these behaviors is not only in marriage it can happen oh, even in everywhere because everywhere. narcissistic behavior can be everywhere that's why sometimes oh yes we, we can have these 
um, recognize this behavior in different situations. In oh, they're in every situation. I've written two more books already that'll be released this year. But I mean, my stepfather, he was, he is the king of all narcissists, you know, so it can occur in families, it can occur in marriages, or, you know, even just, you know, partnerships, it can occur at work. I mean, these are people that are in our churches and our governments. It, it, yeah, they're everywhere. Even children. I have actually met children, even at second and third grade, little children that they scare me because I, I think, oh my gosh, that behavior. I mean, it's so obvious. And my, I will say this though. I, I want to go back. Narcissism, in itself you know, is not an attractive quality. However, not all narcissists are bad. The only narcissists that are are worrisome are the type that I have dealt with, the ones that are intentionally causing other people harm. But there are plenty of narcissists, you know, it, it, they're on social media putting pictures of themselves because they think they look good that's fine. They're not bothering anyone. And usually they do look as good as they think they do. So, you know, we can't, we can't, you know, hate them for that. I worry about the narcissists who are trying to hurt, fulfill oh. their ego by harming other people. That's where the concern comes in. Yeah. I totally agree with you because this is what affects your well-being and the well-being yes. of the persons who have these uh, problems. So uh, when you uh, you find yourself, okay, he left uh, home, you are with your kids. Is, is, was it easy for you to, to leave Serene in the same environment? No. Because even <laughs> if he left, because even if he left, I think, uh, how, how was it for you? It was an adjustment. Um, I actually had not wanted to stay in the home. I, it, in my mind, I had hoped that when we became divorced, he would take the house because he was the one that wanted that particular, you know, we actually had a little farm. He was the one that wanted it. It was not my choice. However, he had, you know, we, there's so many different types of abuse. And one of the abuses that he affected me with was financial abuse in mm -hmm. so many ways. But one of the ways he did that was the last four and a half years of our marriage. He decided he didn't have to work. He was just too good to work for anybody. So he had no income and without income, he could not afford to stay in the house. Also, our son was going into his last year of high school and he wanted, you know, that was his childhood home. He didn't want to have to move and start over. And honestly, it was probably the best thing because I was 45 years old. It's scary to start over, you know, in the middle, you know, or just over that middle, you know, part of your life, you know, as a single mother on my own with all these burdens and the mental trauma and the trick. But yes, it was very triggering to remain in that home because just the energy there, you know, I, I dreaded even coming home from work, coming up the driveway. I just would tense up. Um, it was not a, a nice feeling to be in a place where so every room in that house, something had happened at some point and it was hard to subdue those memories, those triggers. But at the same time, I do acknowledge that once he was out of the house, it was lighter. I mean, it almost seemed like the sun was shining in through the windows brighter than it ever had been. It just seemed like, <laughs> you know, this, this cloud that had been overcast and all that hostility and tension, it was lifted. Even my son had commented once that you know, it, it felt better. It just felt more easy going and more relaxed um, because there were so many rules to follow with my ex-husband and mm. boy, it, he could be fine. And then within a, a, a second, 
it, everything would change because I, I had a look on my face or I did something wrong or said something in a weird tone or you just never knew what, mm. what was going to happen. So it was lighter. So it was another one of those things that I thought, well, my son's stability was more important than mine at that point. It was obviously a better situation to not have my, my husband there. So I had to appreciate that, but it was still better for my son, regardless of the toxicity to stay in his childhood home while he finished his last year of school. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we did. And it was, it was okay. You know, we got through it. Yeah. But regarding your health physically and mentally, how did you heal in these circumstances? What did you do to protect your health to heal and to find your physical health again and mental health absolutely well the interesting thing was that all of my symptoms were triggered by stress mm. so without him there even though there were still some things to work out after the divorce because we did share a son and you know it, it's not as easy as he's gone and that's it but Aside from those little hiccups, life was so much, you know, there, there wasn't anything happening every single day to cause me so much, you know, upset. Mm -hmm. So my symptoms almost immediately dissipated, Wow. you know, and it was nice because I had had nausea and headaches and my stomach and just every day I just, I, I my body was just physically ill mm -hmm. over all the things happening around me. And so it's almost like it just magically dissipated now that the toxicity wasn't there, now that that stress wasn't there constantly, you know, assaulting me in that way, I felt better. But what I did to start healing, because I'm fully aware, I mean, I, I was, I was very low mentally, I was in a bad place and, and, I knew I needed to heal, but I also knew that I had the power to do that now that he wasn't there. I had the mental and physical space to take care of me, and I needed to do that so that I could be there and be a mother for my son and live and be well and, and live life fully. So what I started with, because at that point, being a single mother at 45 with a son who's about to go off to college in less than a year you know, I had to think about my, my money and I couldn't afford to go to therapy or, or do these things. So I started with me little things. Yourself. I call it putting deposits in my happy jar, but it was just indulging my sense of who I am mm -hmm. because I had lived everything I did, everything I said, every, every aspect of my life revolved around my ex-husband. It had to in order to have some sense of peace in our home. But with him gone, it was okay for me to wear the clothes I wanted to wear. Mm -hmm. Even if he said he didn't like me wearing that lipstick, I was wearing the lipstick. If I wanted to eat this for dinner or drink that with my lunch, I could do that. These were all things that he had dictated. I mean, he was very, I didn't even have a smartphone until after he left, he didn't want me to have access to the internet. He didn't want me to read books because God forbid I had influence, you know, from the outside world. So I was doing the things that made Dana happy. It is unbelievable, especially yeah. because I'm not a weak or submissive person no, by I nature, but I had to be to maintain whatever level of, you know, or, or kind of subdue the tension for my son and my sake. But now that I was free, I could do what I wanted. I could watch what I wanted on TV, eat what I wanted, go where I wanted to go, talk to whoever I wanted to. Nobody was there to dictate what exactly. I could and couldn't do. And that alone was fulfilling my soul and reminding of me of who I was before he had come and destroyed my sense of who I was to begin with. And I think that gave me the strength and that gave me the backbone to then once we were out of that house and, and my son was off to college and, 
you know, we moved and I'm even remarried now to a long time. I know. Thank you. (laughs) And it's not something I expected to do, but I had known this man and his family for a long time. You deserve to live your life in your terms uh, as you want. Well, and that's the thing. And once I was doing that and once I was in, you know, now a loving and a relationship where that love, what I, everything I gave was reciprocated. And, you know, again, I felt safe. That was a big mm-hmm. thing for me too. I knew I felt safe and I was protected and my son was okay. Then my nervous system started settling to the point where I felt like then I could take on the therapy because I think that people, when they think about healing, they think they're going to go and have a few sessions, talk to somebody, and then they're going to wake up one day and be skipping and sunshine and rainbows. And it doesn't work that way. It's not yeah. magical. It's a nasty, awful, terrible yeah. phase to go through, but it's so necessary, but you yeah. have to be in the right mind space to take it on for it to be effective. What I find interesting in your story is that you looked within you to find the force within you. You did not yes. uh, start with therapy. or And when I asked regarding healing, I didn't mean therapy because I believe that we all have strength within and we can 100%. become what we want by going within ourselves and find this force yes. and energy within to be and become what we want to be. And I agree with you a hundred percent. Yes. Cause talk and- therapy was never effective for me. I felt when I had done it when I was younger and in the middle of my marriage, I had even tried some, I felt like I was just rehashing all this negativity and it wasn't productive. And I don't know, maybe it was the therapist and maybe I wasn't ready to receive it, but I felt that starting with me, um, you know, to go along with what you were just saying, I think it was more effective just to ask myself that simple question. Every time I was, you know, in any situation, really, what do I want? What do I mm-hmm. want? Because nobody ever cared about what I want. I was yeah. there to serve everyone else for how many years? What did I want? If I wanted to eat this for dinner, I was going to eat it. If I wanted to wear that or go there or whatever, I had the power to do that. And giving myself my power back, taking it back from that man and from my stepfather and from anyone else who had tried to take that away from me made me stronger. And it made me more capable of setting those boundaries going forward in other relationships at work with yeah. my new you know husband and whoever else so that I wouldn't end up in that situation again yeah I I want to just to mention I respect all the professionals therapists yes. but wellness all seasons is for educational purpose only we don't provide the medical advice nothing uh, I receive the professional guests as well, but regarding our discussion, it's only about how everyone can have his own vision right. regarding healing, regarding uh, overcoming some tough situations. Because sometimes we can, uh, as you have said, ask the right question to yourself and find answer and do the things that help you. Uh, right heal yourself without going uh, seeking help for other exactly and I do appreciate that as well and respect mental health professionals many have had you know very good things to say about my book as it's helping them to have the perspective of somebody that's been in that situation so that they're better able to help other people it's just that I'm only sharing my personal experience of what I had gone through 
Um, but certainly, you know, there's so many different ways that people can find healing in art, in music, and, you know, writing was helpful for me, but I'm a writer. So, you know, there are so many ways people can seek to, to get that healing. Yeah. And of course, seeking a profession for professionals is sometimes necessary. Right. It's some, everyone has uh, his case, each case has a solution. So, Right. Uh, yeah, I think. That- yeah. And I did eventually. I mean, that was something that I took on, I think, was it two years ago or three? It, But once I was out of the situation and I was moved out of that house and I was sort of separated somewhat from the triggers and the, the environment and everything, I did you know, pursue a therapy because I needed to learn how to self-regulate when I was triggered. Um, and, and that I even found was very easy to do over time because I would just ask myself in those instances where I was feeling panic or, or hurt or, you know, doubt or whatever it was, I would just say, what do I want right now? Okay, maybe I just needed my husband to hug me to show me that I'm protected and that I'm safe. Maybe I just needed to take a few deep breaths and and go sit and meditate, whatever it was. But again, asking that simple question, what Mm. do I want, you know, was very helpful. Yeah, I think it's necessary to, to listen to your body, to your mind and to understand what you need in this present moment because sometimes we can find answers to our challenges within ourselves they usually are within ourselves just like i said when i first met him you know it were the red flags there absolutely my body felt it my gut said don't do it but i did it anyway So, yeah, we will continue. And, uh, yes, it's interesting to share stories, to inspire others to get up. Uh, uh, Sometimes we are in a situation we can't think that it's this. We we think that it's normal, but it's not normal. Yeah, and uh, it's unfortunate that I think why I tolerated so much, so much more than anybody else probably would, was because in my mind, it was bad, but my childhood was worse. So I, I, have, I feel I have like comparatively, answer. do you I have, have the answer? answer? Okay. You did not have a choice. You have either home where you want to go back and you have him, you had him. Yeah. And you you were young, 19 years, it's yeah. young. Yeah, so, very. So you could not do more with this now experience in life. You get right. out of home and you are in his hand. It's normal that you face this, but um, now you, you know that you deserve more and you are yes. living uh, the life you want. So yes. So, what do you think? Uh, is it your meeting with your new husband that helped you get better quickly? Because sometimes this situation can yeah. have many years to end. So, yes, I think that was key to it. Honestly, I'm not telling people to end a bad relationship and go run and marry the next guy you meet. But I have to say my situation was different because my husband now I'd known him for five or six years already. And I was very good friends with one of his family members. I had been friends with her for 16 or 17 years. Mm. My son and one of her sons grew up together since they were, you know, two, three years old. So, you know, I think we already had a foundation of trust and, you know, otherwise I probably wouldn't even be dating right now. I would be, you know, too worried to to go Mm. out there again. But yes, I do feel that he was key in helping me heal much more quickly than I would have on my own. And I will tell you why. It's because once I did, once I did get into 
therapy for my PTSD because I, I, I was being triggered. It could be a song. It could be something I saw. It could be even a word somebody used. That's something he used to say that just made me feel, you know, badly, whatever it was, I just, it, it would just send me in a panic and I couldn't breathe. And, you know, it felt so uncomfortable. And when we're in those situations, we tend to isolate. We don't want to go out with anyone. We don't want to date or, or anything. We want to just isolate so nobody can hurt us. But that's not the answer. I had to learn how to deal with all those emotions when I was triggered. And so having him, having somebody that would trigger me, but he was somebody safe. He was somebody that wouldn't judge me. He wouldn't abandon me. He wouldn't react to it negatively. He, that made the difference. Yeah. Because he, however I reacted, you know, the thing about it is uh, whether you're in therapy or not, you could watch YouTube videos now or hear podcasts mm. and think, oh, here's a tool that I can use to in my healing journey. But unless you use that tool and practice it, because I'm going to guarantee you, I don't care what it is, even if you know, you know, you're reading on a piece of paper, number one, take a deep breath, number two, you know, it's when you're triggered and your, your, your mind is clouded and distracted with all this stress and these, you know, memories of the past and, and your body's in influx, you're not thinking about, oh, I'm supposed to follow these steps mm. or my therapist told me to do this or whatever it is, you're, you don't know what to do with yourself. So you have to practice. It takes practice. You know, my husband saw me trying to practice the tools that I learned and I failed miserably over and over again until I was able to, okay, I could get through one or two steps. Then I could get to the third or fourth step. And, you know, now I'm at the point where I can honestly say something will trigger me and it'll just be kind of like, you know, oh, that's in the past, different person, different mm -hmm. time, roll off my shoulders, you know, something might bother me a little more. I'll just be, take a deep breath. Okay. Moving on. You know, it's okay. Mm -hmm. As opposed to maybe three years ago before learning how, you know, and practicing how to how to regulate my emotions, I might be crying in fetal position in my closet, you know, so that nobody saw me and I wouldn't be embarrassed about how I was reacting and I could hide away from the world. But yeah, I think it's very important and it doesn't have to be a romantic partner. I just didn't have anyone else. And I wasn't going to put that burden on my son to be my safe person. But when you know you're safe, you're protected, the person's not going to judge you or abandon you then that that gives you um the ability to practice those tools so now i can go to situations like when my son graduated i had to go and my ex-husband was there it was very uncomfortable to think about being anywhere near a man who wanted to kill me and didn't have to face justice for that but i was able to do it I was able to do it without becoming weird or, or mm. anxious or, or in any way, you know, presenting that, you know, I was calm and I was okay. I had my husband next to me who'd never mm. let anyone harm me. And, and I, I just had to keep breathing. You feel protected. I felt protected, but I also felt that I had come along in my healing enough that I could be around him, obviously publicly, I would never meet with him privately, just the two of us, because I'm not silly like that. But publicly, I could handle myself without becoming dysregulated. And that was, that was an important moment for me, so that I could be there for my son. And I can show my son that and anybody that no matter what somebody do, does to you, they do not have the power to affect my life going forward. Mm. They might've had the power at one point over my thoughts and my mental health and my physical health, but I took it back and I presented in that way and I'm proud of myself. Wow, it's uh, powerful. So as you know, wellness all seasons is 
to share stories, to empower other women who maybe are suffering uh, from the same situation. For you, what are the red flags? Because you talked about red flags. So if there are other women in the same situation or in a, a narcissistic relationship, what are the main red flags that they have to pay attention to recognize if is it this or not? Of course, there's a lot of red flags, but what's a red flag to me might not be a red flag to somebody else. And there are cultural differences, geographical even. Um, but overall, I would just say whenever somebody tries to control you in any way, maybe they're controlling what you wear, what you eat, who your friends are, whether you can see your family or not where you can work any type of control. We all have our own independent minds, unless you need somebody to make decisions for you because of some mental incapacity. You don't need somebody dictating to you how you should be. We are all unique. We all come with strengths and weaknesses, flaws and beauty, but it's okay because you are just right for somebody in any type of relationship. Even if you're not enough for this person that they feel like they have to control you, you're just right for somebody else or maybe more than somebody else could ever dreamed of. So do not diminish yourself. Do not let somebody come in and tell you how you should be and what you should say and what you can or cannot do. Because if you are a grown woman, or man, as the case may be, because this mm. happens in all relationships. Yeah. You don't need somebody controlling you. Um, the other big thing is when somebody is demeaning you, insulting you, criticizing you constantly. I'm not talking about maybe, you know, sometimes we make mistakes. We're all human. But when somebody is constantly constantly and and like with my ex-husband he called me some names very vulgar names regularly in front of our son all the time it's so disrespectful when somebody says they love you or if it you are in a professional relationship that is professional there is no place for that mm. in any healthy relationship of any kind your mother your husband, your child, your boss, nobody should talk to you that way. Exactly. And so if somebody talks to you that way, that's not a good sign. People will tell to... you exactly, they, they are showing you exactly how they feel about you. Even if they're telling you they love you or they respect you, if that's how they're treating you, that's not love and respect. So yeah. I go back to listen to your gut. If it makes you feel unsettled, if it disrupts your peace, that's the biggest red flag of all. Mm. And what do you advise as uh, action to do immediately? For example, someone who recognize these uh, behavior and uh, have to protect themselves and to act to remove from uh, to remove themselves from the situation. What are the first things to do? Uh, because as you have mentioned earlier that uh, they try to hurt you yes and punish you so what are the things that can help the person do without being punished without being um sure With, without issues. being noticed yeah. yeah so there's a few things that i did one thing that i did um you know, unfortunately, if you're with a narcissist, they've probably told your family, their family, all your friends, you know, that you're crazy or you're mentally unstable, because then if you tell somebody what's going on, they won't believe you. They mm -hmm. want to discredit you. But everybody, I, even those of us who have said we have nobody in this world, you have somebody, whoever mm -hmm. that one person is, make sure that you or make an arrangement with them. Like what I did was I had a friend that I said every day by nine o'clock in the morning, 
I am going to contact you. You know, I think it was in a text message or an email and let you know I'm okay, that my son mm -hmm. and I are okay. If you do not hear from me by 9 a.m., please happened. call and ha get a wellness check. Have somebody or you drive to the house, some, send somebody. So it's making an arrangement so that you can check in with somebody so they know you're okay and they know if they don't hear from you to mm -hmm. alert somebody, alert the authorities. The second thing that I did when I started planning my escape, unfortunately, it took me 15 years to finally get out, but wow. I went and bought a very small, you can buy a waterproof and fireproof safe that is just, it has a little handle. It's very easy to carry as little as I was, I could carry it. It's just a small compartment. I put all of my important documents my birth certificate, my son's birth certificate, our passports, um, you know, anything of significance, insurance policies, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I was also stashing money, you know, like if, if, if I had, you know, my grandma would send me money for my birthday or what have you, I would put it in there because mm -hmm. my husband would have no idea. I wasn't taking money from the bills or anything mm -hmm. like that, but I was making sure that we had something. So yeah. all the important documents, anything that I would need so that if there wasn't an opportunity or a situation where I had to just grab whatever I could and run it, everything I really needed was right there. Wow. Clothes can be replaced. Things can be replaced. You can get a job and make more money. If it's up to you have to save yourself and your children, I understand, but have all your documents and anything really important in one place that you could just take and go and hide it well. I hid mine so that he never knew it existed. He never knew where he could find it. But at least I knew that if I had an opportunity or a situation presented that I had to escape quickly, I could just take that and we would be fine. Wow. It's... Uh... Yeah, it's sad. Yeah. <laughs> it's sad, but at the same time, uh, it mentioned that you were aware about oh, the yes. situation and you knew that you can't stay there for a long time in the same situation. You have you were ready to to leave, to go. I was ready. I just wouldn't leave without my son. Mm. He was the only thing I would not leave behind. And so that made it a little more difficult. And when they're not little, you can't just pick them up and walk out either. And my son, apparently I, I waited too long. And when he's grown, he was a teenager, you know, I couldn't force him. And, and he, mm. it was hard for him because he was conflicted. I mean, he knows who his dad is. He always had, he didn't see everything. He didn't hear everything, but he saw and heard enough to know mm. but that was still his dad and, and he I, still wanted his dad's approval yeah and i think in life everything comes uh, on uh, it's uh time happen um, arrives for you to to live this to experience this life and to not to live another life now right i think that uh, sometimes we try to uh to force things, but we all know that things happen when it's possible to happen, when it's time to happen. No, it's very true because I mean, of course, I look back and think, oh, I wish I didn't, you know, spend 25, yeah. you know, good years of my life, you know, most of my adult life with this man. And, you know, then now that I have this amazing, this very gentle and kind and compassionate and loving man that I'm married to now, I wish I had all those years with him. But Absolutely. I agree that, you know, life happens. Everybody has things happen to them, some mm -hmm. worse, some not so bad. But I think that life brings us exactly to where we should be because, you know, I had gotten a degree in communications. I, I had studied journalism in college at, at university. Um, you know, there were things that I wanted to do in life, but I never got to do them because my ex-husband I, not, he didn't want me to feel success and achievement and joy in, in 
pursuing anything that I was passionate about. But had I not had that life with him, I mean, number one, I wouldn't have my son who I love very much and who is doing extremely well despite everything, but I wouldn't have had my book to write and exactly. I wouldn't have the next two. And I'm living literally what I had always dreamed. I I have, I, I didn't want much in life. I wanted to be married, but to somebody that wanted me too, and, and loved me right, you know, and, and I have that and I've, I'm now writing as a career and I I'm yeah. living my life very fully. And I'm so thankful for, you know, it, aside from all the ugliness of our life together, I am actually sort of thankful to my ex-husband and even to my mother and stepfather that we are estranged. We have no contact, but life brought me to where I am now to where I can understand um, the situation and, and understand abuse and understand victimhood and all these things and healing to where I can now help other women come yeah, out and, of that and get to where I am. Yeah. And the sharing your story can help other women. And uh, of course, now you are older, you can write, you can help other women. And you see our experience, uh, experiences in life can help us to to do better, to to serve, to be exactly the you want to be. And uh, and I want people to understand too. I was forty five when I started over. I'm forty eight now, but it's never too late. It's never yeah, too. Late. It's never too late. You see, I um I cut you, but for me. I stopped working full-time job at 51. Oh, now I have 53. And yeah. I started from scratch. Good. From full-time job in corporate, in limited space and time to do what I'm doing now. It's I never too late to start again. No, and, it's uh, not at all. Even yes. my husband, he's he'll be 59 years old in six weeks. And when we got married, you know, there were a lot of people that said, you know, to him, why do you need to get married at your age? Why do you? And he said, because I love her and I want her to be my wife. And I thought that was so sweet. It was lovely because people just think that after a certain age, no. that's it. Just forget about no. No. So we're living our life just like we would, but it's almost exactly. nicer to start over now because exactly. I couldn't have written a book if I had a young child running around or taking him to sports exactly. or school. I couldn't have, you know, you're busy building a life in your 20s and 30s and work, work, work and the kids and the husband and the, or whatever. And now we're empty nesters, but we're we're living our most fulfilled lives. We travel the world. He, I love to travel. He travels even, with me and he's my best friend. And we've created this beautiful life for ourselves that I wouldn't trade for anything. And you see, even the opportunity to talk, you are in uh, USA, I'm in France and we- yes. We are in podcast. <laughs> I know, and I love it. I and that's the beautiful thing. I don't leave my house very often, but <laughs> I have. I feel like I have made more friends and more connections. You know, now that technology has allowed that. You know, yeah. last week I spoke to somebody in Germany and Australia and the UK and. You know, yeah, it's very it's rare that I even talk to somebody in the U.S. Well, I talk to somebody in New York City. So it's a it's an amazing thing what the world has opened to us. We just have to be open to receiving, exactly. um, you know, and fulfilling our dreams and realizing our potential. Yeah. And this is to say, never, ever let someone control you and exactly. to you what you have to do with your life. You have exactly. the power to choose your life and to live it as you want. Because, uh, yes, this is um, when we find ourselves in a situation in which uh, we find ourselves limited. We can't move. We can't do what we want. But fortunately, we can do all what we want when we understand that we have the power within to do exactly. what we want to do. And this is by asking questions to ourselves 
as you have done. Yes. To understand what is going on and to search within you the energy, the power to empower you to choose uh, uh, the solution for your health, for your well-being, for your kids, for your uh, life. Because it was a matter of uh, health. It's important. Yes. And Nothing. I think when when you are mentally well, when you are living a life that is true to what you want, and you're mentally well, your physical health follows that. It, everything is in alignment, and you live peacefully. Yeah, it, it, it's so true. Yeah. And um, sometimes uh, there are some who think that now... Uh, when we are mentally, it's not connected. But I firmly believe that uh, we can't be bitter if we have, um, if we are disturbed with some tough challenges. We can exactly it impact our physical well-being as well. Oh, absolutely. I could have never even thought about healing while I was still in that situation and enduring everything that I did and then feeling physically all of those things manifest. I, I needed to be out of it and in a safe um, you know, space where I was free to do that, free mentally, free physically. So it but it's definitely possible. And I, I always I just want to make sure people know that whatever it is they want figure it out, ask yourself what you want. You know, for me, it was, I wanted to write, I wanted to travel and I wanted to be married just to somebody else who actually <laughs> loved me. And once I saw that vision, I couldn't unsee it. And I think even unconsciously, I started working towards those, those desires. So I think that's the start of everything is just to decide what it is that we do want um, no matter what wild imagination you have, it's possible. You never yeah. know. So how do you feel now when you share your story and you you inspire others? You want to uh, to help people open their eyes, their mind to understand their situation. How do you feel by sharing your story? I think it makes me feel fulfilled and it makes me feel like this has been my purpose in life all along. And it makes the suffering that I endured acceptable in a strange way. I'm at peace with my past. It has taken a very long time for me to mm -hmm. get there, but I don't harbor hatred or anger towards anybody for what they have done to me because Again, in a strange way, it, it has affected my ability to live my true purpose and to mm -hmm. live a very fulfilled life. So feeling like I'm doing what I was always meant to do, even if I didn't know that I was meant to do this, I'm doing it. And it makes me happy that even people that have to stay in their situations because they just can't get out. It's not safe. At least I'm letting them know, like, I, I hear you. I see you. I feel you. I've been there. You're not alone. And there's so many of us, you know, I'm getting chills right now thinking about, you know, I have people reach out to me all the time, but um, we're all in this together and there's help out there. You just have to mm. reach out for it. Yeah. And the best thing to do is to read your book. So <laughs> tell us where people can find your book, the title, where they can find it and where they can connect with you if you they want. Well, thank you very much. The book is called Gasping for Air, The Stranglehold of Narcissistic Abuse. Um, you can find it anywhere books are sold. Amazon is typically where people go, but you can also go to my website, DanaSDiaz.com, and the link for the book is there. I also have links for Facebook and Instagram, and this podcast will be on there as well. And yeah. I do encourage, if you know somebody that might be in a situation um, that you feel this information is beneficial... Um, please share the link for this podcast because it's easier for them to safely listen to this in their car while they're, you know, going to the, do the groceries or get the children than to sit at home and read a book that says narcissistic abuse on it. But please share this podcast so they have the information and maybe then they will rethink their situation.
Thank you so much, Dana. It was uh, amazing to talk to you. I loved our conversation and uh, I'm sure that you, um, you are helping a lot of women by listening to the podcast or reading your book or connecting with you. You are serving uh, a lot of people. So thank, thank you, you so, so much. much for sharing, for your generosity to talk about your private life because uh, talking about uh, many years marriage is not easy and sharing this with my audience is a honor for me. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Mina. Thank you. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please, if you like it, share it and subscribe so that you don't miss the upcoming uh, episodes.